0: And the Tony Award for Best Musical of 2019 is Hades Town. Hearing that announcement on June 9th at Radio City Music Hall made the show's actors and directors brim with excitement. Fans of the show were ecstatic. Yet there are other people behind the scenes who put the pieces of a show together. They are the producers. One of those producers who deserves to be lauded for the success of Hades Town is Larry Hirschhorn. Larry was overjoyed to hear those words that night, as he was for three other Broadway shows he produced that have won Tony's. Listen and enjoy this podcast as Larry takes us through the years on his journey as a formidable actor, a theater arts visionary, creative risk taker, and Broadway producer. Larry is admirable on so many levels. His lifetime of devotion to theater has made him one with a keen eye for talent and one who was adept in making the parts become whole. His passion, hard work, and exuberance for his role in current productions culminates in success in a form we all can enjoy. Tom and Richie enjoy this interview even more as Larry is a classmate of ours from Oceanside High School, class of 76. We saw his early work in musicals and dramas, including a riveting performance as Mr. Van Dam in The Diary of Anne Frank. To see the evolution of his body of work from high school to Ithaca College to Broadway production was heartwarming for us, and we also flat out enjoyed our conversation in the last we shared before, during, and after the interview. We hope you enjoy it too.
1: And the 2019 Tony Award for Best Musical goes to Hadestown. Larry, could you describe for us what it was like to be on stage at Radio City and to hear those words that um, you were very directly a part of, Um, in terms of the production of that show?
2: uh, It was an amazing feeling. Um, I've been very lucky enough to have had that experience, this was my fourth time. So um, I don't want to say it gets old, but it's still a thrill and a wonderful experience and, and being up there is just like surreal and you can't believe it. The first time it happened was for a production, uh, we did a revival of Hair on Broadway. And that was my first Tony back in 2009. And that one I was just, that, would have been the, that was my dream. I mean yeah. as, a, as a kid, you guys remember me when I was acting in high school, <laughs> but um, just to be part of the Broadway community in any any way was what I dreamt about, it's what I always wanted to do. I used to cut school to come into town to see two shows on Wednesdays. Um, do, do you remember
1: the moment in your life when you said, this is it? We, Rich and I talked about that. Each of us, in our own ways, have had experiences where this is what I'm going to be doing. I, I shared with you before, my father said, why don't you become a teacher? And that light bulb yeah. went up. What was that that moment for you? Was uh, there a specific I, moment? I don't
2: think I had a specific moment. Um, mm-hmm. I just remember always wanting it. I mean, I can remember... I guess my, maybe my aha moment, but I, I think I knew before that even was. Um, do you remember uh, uh, Ray Heatherton? Yeah,
1: the Mary the Mary,
2: the Mary mailman. The mailman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So Ray Heatherton. He was a local. He was a local. Local yeah. center. He used center. to do his radio show in Rockwell And Joey Century. Heatherton. Right. was right. his daughter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we knew his pianist, organist, musical director. This guy named Vic Laurie was a friend of my parents, and they took me to see a live recording of the merry milk merry Mel- mail- mail- mailman yeah and i was like i had died and gone to heaven <laughs> this is a show business you know this is what <laughs> i'm right. dreaming about right and um this is an early weird memory you guys but i, I i'll never forget so it was i was very excited and <laughs> i think i must have been five and i never forget Ray Heatherton came up the aisle and he was asking people questions and he gives away prizes and all this stuff. And he saw me and he said, well, here's, you know, whatever he said, you're a cute little boy. And, and what do you want to be when you grow up? I remember sitting there thinking, well, I can't tell them what I really want to be, which is an actor, because that just seems ridiculous. (laughs) So I said, I want to be an engineer. And they went, oh, wow. How ambitious. You mean like designing things or like the choo-choo train? I was like, oh, like the choo-choo train. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my mother after she goes, why did, why did you tell me oh, that? i that come never from? said that before. <laughs> You've always said you want to be an actor. And I said, yeah, I know. I just didn't think that was the right thing to say. Um, so maybe, that but might, I, knew, I knew even back then yeah. that I wanted to be in the theater. It's in your um, blood right, right in from the my, beginning. It is. But so just to go back to, you know, um, I've been unbelievably lucky, and I've chosen well, and uh, I've been up there four times, and it's just a crazy, wonderful experience.
1: The experience of winning a Tony or even being nominated has to be like, yes. an amazing experience. But to be in that venue, I was telling Richie that I have an early memory of my family going to Radio City Musical oh, to see a movie.
2: Oh, I used to have movies all the time. And
1: I can remember the movie, and I, I don't understand the choice of movie that my parents took us to see. I mean, I was a young kid. But went to see Operation Crossbow with George Peppard, <laughs> a, a, a war movie. But but I remember it, and and every time I've been back to Radio City, it's a magical moment. It is magical. So they standing the
2: the big organ comes up, and yeah. the mat and the rockets. I used you know yeah, I haven't been rockets. in years, but the Christmas show is still right. there. Right. And my parents took us to movies there too. In right. you know, the organ would come up, the, the right. big bullets would come up out of the out of the floor, and you're like, "Oh my god!" You know. So I can't and,
1: imagine being there as a recipient of a Tony Award in that venue. It's, it's That's it's a little
2: bit of a blur, you know. You kind of like you have so much adrenaline, and you're you're anticipating it the whole night, and you're nervous, and you want to look good. Um, you know, I've you know three of the four times I was a co-producer on shows and that's you know wonderful but you're part of a large group and you're just trying to get your face seen, you know (laughs) and then one time I was a co-lead producer on a show and that was pretty special because I was down center right in front Mm -hmm. um and uh that one was totally an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. that one was just like and then they whisk you away they go to the press room and you give interviews and um taking your photos and you're just like what is going on here um, so it's it's a, you know it's look it's not it's not you know it's not doing brain surgery it's nothing that's changing the world but it's, it's, nothing, but it, no, it's impacting you know oh my don't goodness say that. oh it, it, makes Some, it makes people happy yeah you know it makes and people that's happy people that's make an amazing problems. thing yeah, yeah 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 more than okay that. I'll take
0: that don't take downplay that. it because no, it makes okay. people happy it makes people think it makes people have emotion sure I really, you know sure.
2: art art and music. Too beautiful. Yeah, and we I love I love telling stories, yeah. and that's you know why I've done
1: it. Larry, we were getting on the train today. We were waiting at Oceanside, oh, and we ran into three women, who were standing outside in the hot sun, to get on the train to come into the city. Guess where they were going? They were you going to see, see a show. show. Yeah, they were going to see a show, yeah. and and that had that yeah. is something that it's... people love to, to look they forward to yeah, and man. experience. Yeah, so that's a wonderful thing.
0: Thanks. And as as a producer, then um, difficult job i'd imagine you you're responsible for organizing it, the financing hiring the director and
2: could you you want to tell us a little bit about it's, that process it really, it's different for every single show uh-huh. so um it depends on what position i'm in as a producer whether i'm a co-producer or a lead producer um, i have two shows right now that i have in development that i have done everything for right you know, so i've Found the title. I've gotten the rights. I've put together a team to write it. Uh, one of them is um, a new musical based on a film called Benny and June. Remember yeah. That it's film? It's yeah right. Sure. So we've done two out of town tryouts with that show, um, and that show. I'm the only producer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we we have, we've been lucky enough to have two wonderful productions at major regional theaters, and now we're hoping to bring it to New York. So that one, yeah, soup to nuts. I yeah. am completely consumed. I am. I'm the guy, right? Do You have a hand also then, in the casting, oh, of that, yeah, too? very much it. so, right? Very much so. And then a show like Hades Town, which I'm extremely honored and proud to be a part of. I'm a co-producer, so like I went to a big meeting yesterday, and we we we, we talk, we, we know everything that's going on. But I'm not driving the bus, mm-hmm. you know. I'm I'm a, a passenger on the bus, and I'm thrilled and honored to do right. that. And um, but I'm not making the day-to-day decisions on that show. Right. So I when they raise some the money, I have I give suggestions as far as marketing. I give my ideas if I'm asked, um, but it's become you know Broadway has become since I was going as a little boy. It's really become a major business. It's a multi-billion-dollar business, and um, it takes a village. So when you watch the Tonys and you see a hundred people swarm the stage when they announce right. Hades Town wins Best Musical, and people go, "What the hell? Is, who are all those <laughs> people?" You know. Right. Well, the truth is, it takes a lot of people. Right. And, um, you know, musicals used to cost a half a million dollars, and now they cost 20 and 25 million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money to raise. And so we all, uh, certain shows, you're very welcome, and you're accepted to do jobs, and they ask you to do things for it. And others, they're like, hey, thanks for the money. We'll see you opening night. <laughs> you know?
1: As a producer, Larry, I think, I'm sure that there were things that you... Are anticipating that are part of the experience of being a producer of a of a Broadway show, but there are things that you can't anticipate. Yeah, like For a blackout example, on Saturday. That's exactly night. what I was <laughs> going to say. There was a blackout the other night, and yes. and you can't anticipate. So, as a as a co-producer what was going through your mind when that happened, and then talk about what I saw in the news this morning, because I just heard about it. The cast of Town uh-huh. came out onto the street. Oh yes, they did. So talk so about
2: when that. I first heard about it, I was like, oh shit, we just lost a lot of money, because Saturday night's our biggest night, right? right? Uh, and I think all of us thought that. Um, then, you know, suddenly I saw this video going viral <laughs> all over the internet. <laughs> I just watched on the way here. It was on the Kimmel show.
0: Oh, and, wow.
2: And <laughs> so at, at the meeting yesterday, we were all like, you know, saying, well, it's it's gotten millions of views, you guys. Mm-hmm. Millions. Lin-Manuel mm-hmm. shared it, uh-huh. you know, and he has his own two or three million followers. And so yeah, there's no right. way to even count how many hits it got. Right, right. And you can't buy that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's a there's a part of me and us that are like, Wow! What just happened? You—that's the most amazing free publicity one could ever imagine. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, um, we lost a certain place, you know, <laughs> with the box office. We're in a very good position right now. It's a huge hit. Um, yeah, sold out every single performance. So it's not gonna, you know, make or break us. Mm-hmm. But it's disappointing for our investors. It's disappointing for us. And you know, we're 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 looking into if there's a way we can get that money.
1: So I'm, I'm going to, by extension then, I'm going to say that there are some shows on Broadway that were really impacted negatively oh, by what happened.
2: absolutely. Yeah. Shows that are, you know, headed by a thread right, or right. suffering, yeah. and there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. That that could really, really hurt a show's choice uh, mm-hmm. chances. And, and the insurance companies are saying it was not a force majeure, which I think is, it was a blackout. Like, right. that's a, that's it's not a natural mm-hmm. emergency but it is an emergency right. so it's a little it's a little bit of a gray area there we'll yeah. see what happens
1: i'm i'm kind um, of cons- uh, curious also when when the cast and the entire cast comes out to do this to sing spontaneously was it spontaneous or did they have oh, to totally. did, did they have to go to somebody and say you know we want to go outside and we want to make sure that our fans can experience something tonight.
2: Right, I wasn't there that night, so I can't tell you, but my guess is it was totally spontaneous. And they've done this many times before after shows, like after we got, how many Tony nominations, 14? I yeah. can't remember. They all went out on the terraces outside the uh-huh. theater and they, they did some of the songs live. Oh, that's that's great really cool. And they've so done cool. this a few times before. So my guess is they were all just sitting in the theater waiting to see if they're doing a show or not. And then once the stage manager finally said, guys, we're not doing it tonight, a few of them probably said, hey, let's go out and let's do a couple of songs for the people that are waiting, at least so they have something to talk about right. on the way home, you know. Mm. And they all went out there, and the band went out there, as you saw probably in the video. And right. it was just a joyful, as sure. is the show. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very special show. Yeah. And the cast is superb. And the music. oh, right. it's music We saw
1: the ensemble. show,
0: my, my whole family, we usually see a show together each year. And when I brought Town up, I really didn't know that much about it. Right. But my middle daughter, she said, "I've been listening to that music. We yes, have to go see that yes. show, and we loved
2: it. We really did. <laughs> no, no, they should have told me I would have come and had a drink." With you <laughs> Next time. Next time.
1: Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, though. the The original vision for Hades Town is not what people are seeing on Broadway now. Is that correct?
2: It was. It was a concept album that Anais Mitchell. Uh, Put together and it was a story of, of Orpheus and Eurydice mm-hmm. that she put to music and then invented all this other stuff around it um, and it was just a concept album. I don't I mean I think she did have theater in mind for it, I don't really know, mm-hmm. uh, and then it started to get developed as a theater piece and mm-hmm. then um, after a couple of I believe readings or workshops, I didn't come onto it until Broadway so I can't tell you the mm-hmm. entire history of mm-hmm. Hades but a very dear friend of mine Mara Isaacs uh, is the lead producer and I adore her, and which is really the main reason I'm doing this show. Because mm-hmm. as you do more and more of these shows, you realize that you know you do things for friends, right? And uh, you do shows you love. You do shows for friends, and and then you do shows uh, that you think are just really worthy, mm-hmm. whether you think they're going to make money or not. This is a story that must be told. And I've right. done a few of those that I knew they're probably not going to make money, right. but. I need to be a part of this. It is so beautiful. I did a play a couple of years ago called Indecent. And uh, it was up for best play. We won two Tonys for director and lighting. It, the most beautiful story, the most beautiful heightened theatricality, which is I just responded to, and it was a story that I needed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So there's that one. And then you do a show like The Elephant Man with Bradley Cooper, because right. you like ka Yeah, Duh, who wouldn't <laughs> right. want right. to be a right. producer on that? And you were so. you... The, sole the only producer.
0: producer on that? Oh my
2: god, no. Oh, okay. No, there's always, Richie, there's always <laughs> right. tons of producers uh-huh. on Broadway. Okay. There are
0: lead producers or general partners. And for that play, were you a lead producer? No, I wasn't. No, okay. I was a co producer on
2: that. Yeah. So, but very happily so. Right, right. So
1: as you go from play to play, you won't necessarily be with the same group of people. You, you yeah, there be. A, oh, it's different uh, yeah. every show. It's different every show. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And each time you have to reinvent the wheel, so mm-hmm. some shows are very, very easy to raise money for, and some shows are really, really difficult. How much
1: negotiation goes on behind the scenes if you have a particular vision or idea that other co-producers may not necessarily have? How much do you invest into? There's really into
2: no, I mean, you can voice your opinion, you can tell the lead producers what you think. But it really comes down to their decision. Mm -hmm. The buck stops with the lead producers. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is. That's not negotiable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when I'm a lead producer, like on my show, many in June, and I have another musical called The Flamingo Kid. Remember that movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Based on the uh, Gary Marshall movie. (laughs) So I'm one of three lead producers on that. Right. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we just. We, we talk and we come to decisions and conclusions together, you know, and maybe one person disagrees, but it's, it's got to be a majority. But I also imagine
1: that it's valuable input that really helps you to, to get to where you want to get, to yes. just factor everything that everybody's contributing, even though the, the final decision is ultimately yours, it is still a well, valuable process.
2: That, you know, Tom, the theater is, and you've probably heard this before, but it is by far the most collaborative art form. Mm -hmm. and everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks they know how to make it best and they know how to fix it Mm -hmm. but um, you have to weigh out a lot of people's needs and egos Mm -hmm. and talents Um, so you know the director and the writers might think one thing and then the producers might think another thing Mm -hmm. and you know you butt heads over that and there's a give and take and there's negotiating and there's like, well, can we just try this one night? Let's mm-hmm. just try it. Maybe it'll be better, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you try it and it it is. It's better. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's really not. Okay, you guys were right. Let's go back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a tr- little bit of trial and error. and it, it, But it is also having a lot of patience. Yeah. And, and um, you're also a politician. You really have to... Okay, I'm going to give you that song, because you know I don't like it, but you love it? Okay, you're going to do that, but now you have to change the song and act two that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then, you know, it's fluid. Yes. yes. So give and take with, and,
1: uh,
0: Yeah. We started when you were five, and now we're, when you're a little bit older now, or you're your producer. <laughs> a producer. A little bit older. <laughs> In between, All right. you were an actor mm-hmm. yourself,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and... Uh, when did that, that you, that was always innate, you said, from the beginning. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about your path in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we both had the pleasure of seeing you in high school. Oh, it was brilliant in high school. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell Stop. you. Stop. You? No, no, you, don't put yourself <laughs> down. Because I saw you in a lot of, you know, By the Bird, what, all the all musicals and things like that. But I do, I have really me- good memories of... Um, the Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, that was a beautiful production. It was unbelievably good, and you were great. Thank you. And Casapini, and uh, I don't David, maybe Weiser, David Weiser. Randy oh, Lieberman, God, who I'm still really... very good
2: friends with, both yeah. David and Randy.
0: I mean, that was, for, you know, that it moved me as a, as a stupid high school kid. You know yeah, what I mean? That no, was a beautiful. Production. Um, and so you know,
2: so I, I, I you. you were great. Thanks. Um, so you want to take us maybe through that pathway? Yeah, I went from Oceanside to Ithaca College and got a BFA in acting and directing and I acted all through college and I did professional summer stock all through college, um, which is how I met my wife uh, at the Iverton Playhouse in Connecticut one year when I was doing summer stock. And then we got married and then I went to LA to try my luck Mm -hmm. and uh, got an agent and I was getting seen for lots of really cool, exciting, big things, got close to a few of those. While I was out there, there I cast. I got cast in a few episodics, I did a Matlock, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. Um, and I just really didn't like LA, and my wife really didn't like LA. And she was up for an amazing job back here in mm-hmm. New York, and she said, we were at a crossroads, and I said, I think I should stay out here. I'm doing really well. I was booking, I had an agent, I was doing great, and being seen for all these big things. And she's like, well, I don't really want to move there but let's do it for a year and see how it goes as long as this one job that I'm interviewing for I don't get and she got the job Mm. and so that's why every time I watch Seinfeld and I see Jason Alexander I always think that was mine (laughs) (laughs) but um, so she got this once in a lifetime amazing wonderful job you didn't interview for that did you? no I didn't but we were always at auditions together we were up for the same kind of roles oh wow um so, I moved back to New York and went back to school uh, to get my master's degree. At NYU? At NYU. I got a, an educational theater, thinking, okay, well, I'll teach now. Right. Oh, I skipped, I skipped a, a chapter, sorry. After I came back to New York, Melissa and I had our first child, our daughter, Jessica. And I was doing a dinner theater down at the Burt Reynolds Dinner Theater in Florida, and after Jesse was born, I came back up and called my agents and I said, I can't go out of town anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's a very difficult thing for a character actor, especially because there's not that much work in New York City. And during my time as an actor in New York, I did a lot of soap operas, I did extra work on movies, I'd, like every Woody Allen film, you can find my face <laughs> somewhere. And um, so I went back to school because I figured I can't do this anymore because I can't go out of town i had been teaching for years. I was, see, I was teaching too. Mm-hmm. I was teaching at the uh, Metropolitan Opera Guild. They had a program called Creating Original Opera, and I had done that for several years, where I teach the kids, basically how to write and put on their own shows. And I was like, I'm. Pretty, what age are the kids? They're junior high or okay. or grade school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm pretty good at that. I I think I I think I could teach. Mm-hmm. So I went back, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to teach kids. I wanted to teach um, theater in a way that helped communities and 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 opened people's minds to different things. And I found this great program, program at NYU, which is the um, um, educational theater program. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically using theater as a teaching tool. So it isn't teaching acting or teaching theater. It is saying, it's teaching other teachers, first of all, how to use improvisation and how to use storytelling and how to use puppetry right. to, to teach um, something else. Right. It also uses drama therapy, which I loved. And we went to Rikers Island and did Romeo and Juliet with some of the inmates. Wow. It was crazy wild and scary and wonderful. Um, so I got my master's in educational theater and then um, serendipitously because life just works that way, right? Uh, after I was done, I was like, well, now what do I do? you like, how am I going to use this degree? And long story short, uh, an acquaintance of mine who I've been teaching with the, at the Met said, hey, you know, I work, I'm the head of facilities up at Riverside Church, and there's this unbelievably gorgeous space up here. We should do something with it. Like, what? It's just sitting there empty. So I went up to see it, and there's this, it's still there. I mean, it's this little known... Theater, it's like a jewel. It's mm-hmm. they have rehearsal spaces and costume shop and a scene shop and a and a theater. And I was like, Well, wow. And she said, Look, I bet you we could get to a really good deal on this. And let's do something. So with her help and then I another friend I knew who was a paralegal, so she was the business person, mm-hmm. we kind of dove in to this I didn't know the first thing about it. I didn't know what I was. Yeah, doing.
1: You bought the space, or no? You, no, we just rented you, it you to do a
2: show. Okay. And I, I formed a not-for-profit, and my idea was that we were going to do we were going to be the resident theater company at the Riverside Church. Is that, that the Melting Pot? The Melting Pot. Wow, you did your research. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so that was the Melting Pot Theater, and I love um, the name. It was a great name. Yeah. It still is.
1: Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sorry to interrupt. The yeah, Melting yeah. Pot is still.
2: No, I dissolved it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. When I started going the dark side of commercial producing. <laughs> but I, um, I just dove in and started doing something I didn't know what I was doing. Along the way, I had produced some stuff uh, in college. I remember I put on a show or two. Uh, I wrote and produced and starred in a cabaret show here in New York when I was still trying to be an actor. You know, So I did stuff along the way. hmm but I didn't know what the hell I was doing, and I still say I don't, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm learning, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: well, learning um, never stops.
2: Learning never stops, and... But uh, you have
0: so many good characteristics to, for success. I mean, your ability to work hard, your ability to take charge, like, you know, it seems like throughout your career and your life, like, whatever you strove for, I mean,
2: it was all in. You really wanted to get there, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to, right? Because yeah. everybody else is doing that, so you're right. going to have to compete. But I mean, I, I mean, I will say, you know, in all seriousness, I am not a businessman, and mm-hmm. I have no head for that. And I, for me, it's all about the artistic aspects of theater and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really what's called an artistic producer, mm-hmm. a creative producer. There are many people who really love and do the business side really well. That's not me.
1: Um, Is that um, recognizing talent when you see it?
2: I think so, and recognizing a good show or a good script or a good story that needs to become a good theater piece. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And I've been, you know, You're very, very lucky as far as well, choosing yeah. well.
1: When, when uh, prospective actors come for a role and they're not quite there, that's part of your responsibility to, to coach them, to get them you to the next at level? At audition? Yeah, so? at an audition.
2: You want every actor that comes in to be the right one. You're, you're, you're hoping this is going to be the one we're looking for. And with the night, you, you know, the director, I can say to the director, you know, can you see if he has a different song, or can you see if he... Mm-hmm. Tell him to do the scene again, but try it this way, or see if he can make it funny, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you try to get them and see if there's a way to make them work in the role, but... Uh, are not, there I'm specifics
1: not, where you have, through that suggestion taken somebody who may not have made it through the audition where they they did and they made the role what you had wanted it to be
2: yeah you know I can't think of anything specifically like mm. that mm. I've been to so many auditions uh, but um, I'm sure it has I'm sure it yeah. has happened
0: on the flip side I'm just thinking have you ever had to not cast someone who was reputable and um, someone who kind of expected I'm gonna get this role
2: That has happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm
0: not asking you, you to, know, to name names, hard. but I'm... I can tell you the names.
2: <laughs> um, I uh, I remember for the Melting Pot, you know, I did I did do the Melting Pot for like seven or eight years, and before mm-hmm. I started then doing uh, Broadway producing, um, and this just still breaks my heart when I tell this story, but this tells you how fickle and how horrible a show business can be. We were casting a play for the Melting Pot. I can't even remember exactly which one it was. And, you know, you put out submissions, you put out a breakdown to the agents to, for them to submit their actors. And one of the actors that we submitted was a star. And I was like, what, he, he's willing to come in and audition for the little melting pot theater? Oh my God, sure, let's see him, come on in. And he came in and it's so sad and he was really bad and not right at all. And it just broke my heart um, and that actor was Larry Linville from MASH. Match.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And it just was so sad to me. That Frank this, Burns. This yeah. man had to l- come in to audition for a small yeah. off-Broadway theater company. Yep. You know? I was like, but you know what? On the other hand, work is work. He mm-hmm. mm-hmm. loved to act, and he right. was just trying to keep going, you know? Right, right. Um, So, yes, that's happened. the other thing that's very, very hard to do, the worst thing to do, in fact, is if you have to fire an actor... Or not use them again. Like you've done the production, and then you realize, you know what? She just wasn't right. Right. And then you're doing the next production of that show, and you have to let that person know. Oh boy. You're not going to continue with us, and I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. But you know, it's like firing anybody. It's yeah. not fun. It's it's a right. very difficult thing. As a
0: coach, I had to do many a cut like that uh, too. Exactly the same just, thing. And it breaks your heart. It you breaks know. your heart.
2: You it know. does. Really. Yeah, I hear you.
1: I I want to go back to uh, what you were talking about before about educational theater. Something that I read, uh, Ty Cobb, was that a
2: a particular... Cobb was was the name of a play that I produced uh, at the Melting Pot Theater, yes. And it
1: was one of those educational...
2: Well, all the shows I did at the Melting Pot had an educational... So what I set out to do with the Melting Pot was to make it... I started out as an educational theater company, and my idea, the mission with the show was that we were going to do all shows that had some kind of... History of America, or the backbone of America, or the stories about how America became America Mm. Um, a potpourri, a a, a melting pot, if you will, and a a, a patchwork quilt. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of really strange and different stories um, that didn't have connections. (laughs) Like, you know, like the first show I did was about a true story based on a a family of wandering musicians and theater people that used to go around the Midwest near Minnesota, putting on shows for people out of their wagon. Hmm. And it's based on a true story. And Mm -hmm. I thought, that's America. Uh That's amazing, you know. And then I did a show all about Woody Guthrie. And then it ended up starting to be much more and more biographical. So we did shows about Ty Cobb and Woody Guthrie and Alberta Hunter, the blues singer, and Bessie Smith, the blues singer, and I did a play about Charles Lindbergh. So it became, it slowly started to become more about people specifically. Um, And then Cobb was probably our biggest success at the Multibout Theater, and that's sort of what led me to what I'm doing now.
1: And each of those was reviewed. I mean, you got reviews, good reviews, great reviews. They didn't all
2: get good reviews, but yeah, I mean... But I think
1: um, Cobb, I think I remember reading that. That one was very well
2: received. Cobb, uh, it was an amazing story from soup to nuts. Uh Uh, We did a a wonderful production. It was the New York premiere of a play called Cobb by Lee Blessing. It was about Ty Cobb and what a horrible human being he was and how he wouldn't play on the field with African-American men. And there were three different actors who portrayed the role of Cobb and then a young Mm -hmm. African-American man. And um, beautiful play, very moving. uh, Really showed the underbelly of this guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it did
0: very well. He's like maybe the second best baseball player of all time after Ruth. You know, like it's it's amazing, right? Yeah, Yeah. it's a shame. He used to. the, The the joke was, or the legend was, he would. Before the games, you, I mean, I'm pro- you probably know this. Maybe it was even in the play. He used to sharpen his cleats.
2: Oh, absolutely! It's so in the they, play. It's in the it play, is in the yeah. play. Yeah. Yeah. So when
0: he slid into second base, he bloodied the. Oh yeah. The was, shorts up a on asshole. a double play. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So he we,
2: was he wasn't liked even by his teammates? You know? Not at all. So. so we anyway we did that play, and lo and behold, one night at the theater, who came to see it because he knew one of the actors, Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's one of the few nights I wasn't there, uh, and that just shows you in New York, New York City, you just never know who's going to walk in the door.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I get a call from my house manager. Who says, "Larry, you're not going to believe this, but Kevin Spacey's in the theater." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, right, right." <laughs> he said "No, he really is." Uh, I said, "Okay, great." Well, I, I got you know, in the meantime, Melissa and I had twin boys and so I it was one of the few nights I was home I was like I am not leaving her <laughs> to go see Kevin Spacey do that. I'll get killed um, so I get a phone call after the show with my director and some of the actors and they're out to drinks with Kevin Spacey and my director says Larry I am sitting next to Kevin Spacey he loved the show he wants to know why you're closing it I was like We're closing it because it's a not-for-profit theater. It's a limited run. It's not a... We schedule six weeks. We're doing six weeks. We don't have the space. Mm -hmm. And we're out of money. So Joe... I heard Kevin say, Give me the phone. He's like, Larry, it's Kevin Spacey. I'm like, in that voice, you know. (laughs) Right, right, right. I was like, what the hell is going on here? He's like, you're not closing the show. Uh... Joe's going to give me your phone number in the office tomorrow. I'm going to call you at 10 a.m. And we're going to figure this out. You can't make this shit up. That's a great story. (laughs) True story. He calls me in the office at 10 a.m. He goes, okay, how much would it cost? Is the theater available for the next two weeks? I said, let me get back to you. I call him back. I said, yes, it's available for the next two weeks. He said, okay, how much will it cost to keep this show open for another two weeks? And I said, it'll cost $16,000 because I knew exactly how much it cost." All right. He said, you'll have a check in an hour. Oh, God. True story. Wow. That
1: is a great story.
2: doorbell rang. Messenger came with a check for $16,000. He kept the show open. Right. And then we moved it to a commercial run downtown at the Lucille Lortel Theater. And we won the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Ensemble. Right. Boom. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that's the kind of stuff you can't make. So as a result
1: of that happening, did that open the door for yes. future opportunities?
2: So yes, yeah, so that led me to commercial producing because my executive producer and one of my mentors uh, is a Broadway legend named Elizabeth McCann. Liz McCann, she was one of the first female producers on Broadway, produced the original Nicholas Nickleby, and, and um, a million, a million plays. She's in the Theater Hall of Fame, you know? Mm-hmm. And so she was our executive producer, and our general manager was an old acquaintance of mine, uh, now a friend, uh, named Joey Parnes who is currently one of the most successful producers on Broadway. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you come do a show with us? I was like, I don't know anything about producing, you know, or Broadway. <laughs> and they're like, well, you didn't know anything about not-for-profit off-Broadway. You've done pretty well for yourself. Come tr- try, test the waters. So so I did. And uh, that was 2006.
1: Does Kevin Spacey know the impact he had and, and where that decision you know, led for you?
2: I think he does. I, I went backstage to see him. I went to see him at the old Vic. He was doing, um, God, what play was it? He was doing a play with Jeff Goldberg. Jeff, uh, Goldblum. Goldblum. He was doing a play with Jeff Goldblum in London. Huh. And I went backstage to see him. He was so happy to see me. He was so nice. He remembered. He- and he, of course he remembered hey. uh, and I had sent him a note backstage saying hey don't know if you remember I'm in, I'm right. in the house tonight I'd love to come back and say hi and it was like of course <laughs> and um, so I mean of course you're not supposed to even discuss Kevin Spacey these days but all I'll say is I, I uh, he changed my life in a really big way and I'll always be grateful to him and uh, he was Super amazing about it all. He kept pouring money into the production because it wasn't doing well, and he kept it going for six months mm-hmm. wow. because he thought it deserved to be seen, and and he wanted it to stay open and and give all those actors employment. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then he asked me, "What am I doing now?" And I said, "Oh, I've started to produce on Broadway." He went, "Oh, of course you are. Good for you." you know. <laughs>
1: So he clearly had an impact on your career. No question about it. So this, this might be a good uh, place for us to segue into your involvement, your continued involvement at Ithaca College. Yeah. You were uh, recognized and, and presented with uh, the Professional Achievement Award in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what it is. Um, obviously, there's an ongoing connection that you have with Ithaca College. Yes. So, that comes to, back to what Richie and I feel about what we're doing with these podcasts is uh, highlighting and, and identifying people who have had an impact on the lives of others. Mm-hmm. So I think it's safe to say that you have had an impact on on those who come to see the shows that you're part of the you know production team for, sure. but also for the students who are going through Ithaca College. Talk about your involvement at Ithaca College and why you continue to be involved.
2: Um. I absolutely loved my time at Ithaca College, I learned mm-hmm. a lot, um, and uh, they do a thing that where they bring st- the theater department kids to New York City every year. I did it when I was a student, and it's called Field Studies, and there was always panels every day, there'd be three or four panels for the kids to go to and, and listen to, and so even like the very first year after I graduated, I started doing the field studies, and and asking answering their questions and, and doing panels and I did that every year and then um, you know fast forward several years I uh, once I started producing I was I started to sp- speak to all the theater arts management you know people who were aspiring you know general managers or company managers or mm-hmm. producers so I started speaking to them and I would take them out to lunch or I would try to introduce them to people and you know, And I always said to them, and I still say to them, like, you know, when you move to New York and you really know you're looking, let me know and maybe I can open some doors for you. I can't promise, but, you know, I'll try. And then they were doing a big renovation of the Dillingham Center, which is the theater arts building. Mm -hmm. And they needed to raise a bunch of money. And they asked me to co-chair it, which was really, like, so flattering and very sweet. And so I did, and we raised a whole bunch of money, and they renovated it, it looks beautiful. And um, and then my daughter decided to go and be a BFA acting directing major oh at the college, which was very, great. very fulfilling for me.
1: She's, she's there, or she graduated. No, she graduated? she graduated now,
2: She graduated. Yeah, she's continuing on in acting? She and, is, she, well, well, she has been acting. She moved to Portland, Oregon, um, because she decided to sort of do Big Fish Smaller Pond and um, she loves Portland and she's been doing a lot of Shakespeare and stuff out there as an actress but in the last year or so she's been dipping her toe into the directing world and I think she's going to go in that direction now that's great Mm -hmm. Um, and she's you know she's great she's really really talented she loves theater I think she'll be an amazing director actually so she's doing she's doing that but so yeah so Ithaca um, and I still do the field studies Mm -hmm. and I still tell them you know to be in touch and I do and I've helped several of them you know, I, uh, if I hear or if, if they tell me, hey, I'm up for a job at this office. Do you know anybody there? I'm like, sure, I do. Let me send an email. And I'll say, mm-hmm. hey, this kid's great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I started a very, you know, luckily enough, I uh, in a place that I can do this, I started a scholarship for students who couldn't really um, afford full tuitions to be theater maids. Mm-hmm. So uh it's endowed now and so every year two uh-huh. students get x amount of dollars to help them towards the tuition very, and I'm very proud of that. Very so so well you should be. That's a wonderful yeah. Program. Yeah.
1: It is. Um going back to Ithaca after spending your undergraduate years there do you have the same memories of Ithaca um you know as you after you left when I left Ithaca? I had a very you know very specific image of, of what Ithaca provided for me and then when I went back years later just not quite it wasn't the same, quite the same. Yeah. I don't know if the, you have the same kind of experience or everybody feels that way regardless of where they go to, to
2: school Oh I, when I walk on campus at Ithaca I, I feel exactly the same mm-hmm. I love it and I um, it, I love that school I love mm-hmm. that town.
1: College uh, Town in, in, College in, in town, downtown Ithaca.
2: we have, you know, we have the most amazing view of Cayuga Lake. If you look the other way, there's some other school. I forget what it's called. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, what is uh, what was that song? High above Valley, Cayuga's there's waters. waters. There's an awful smell. <laughs> some say it's Cayuga's waters, but it is Cornell. Okay, um, I'll be here all week. Um, no, I love it, and, and um, this is a fun story, um, the current chairperson of the theater department is a wonderful woman named Katherine Widener. And Katherine Widener was a theater student at Ithaca College. And she tells this story all the time. She says, The reason I am now the chairwoman of the theater department is because of Larry Hershorn. And I'm like, What? You know, and then she told <laughs> me the story that when she was, and this is, goes back to you never know who's listening or who's going to be in the audience or whatever. The summer after I graduated from Ithaca, I went and I was an actor at Indiana State University, and they have a repertory theater there in the summer, and I was one of the guest artists, which was really bizarre, because I had just graduated from college, uh, and I was acting with other college students, but I was the guest star, um, one of many guest stars. And We did a panel once in front of a bunch of high school students who were aspiring theater people. And somebody asked, you know, if you were going to go to college for theater, where would you go? And I said, there's really only one school to go to, and that's Ithaca College. It's the best theater department in the world. And back then, it was one of the mm-hmm. best. It's still in the top ten, mm-hmm. but there's many other, you know, great theater departments now. It's still way up there, though. Anyway, evidently in that audience was Katherine Widener, who is now, who <laughs> applied to Ithaca, went there, loved it, and now became the chairwoman of the theater department. And she says, it's all because of Larry. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I I got you that job. So, um, that's kind of a fun story. So you,
1: Larry, go ahead.
0: Do you still have the bug to act? I mean, uh, you it's know in what, your blood, would you, like, would you... I mean, mm-hmm. in any form or any way, like... Or is at this point in your life,
2: you're not thinking I that? Here's what I miss. I miss the rehearsal process, because that was always my favorite part. Yeah, well, you guys... In,
0: would re well like any play you rehearse them? Like, think about high school it would be no, two yeah. months for two nights rehearse, or something you know, for like two that, hours right? every day after school. And then right. you do two performances and be done. Yeah, and you're like
2: all that for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, I I miss the camaraderie of being in the cast. I miss the family, mm-hmm. um, but I get that now as a producer because mm-hmm. I'm one of those producers. I'm the producer that always like takes the actors out for drinks after the show or hey, let me buy you some lunch, or, you know, um, I'm one of those. So uh, <laughs> so I miss that, but I can still get that in a way of being with the cast and hanging out with them. Right. What I don't miss is doing it every single night, right. eight times a week. And I, I've been involved with shows where, you know, they have nice long runs and you go back two years later and the same cast is doing it. And, I was, and I'm like, oh, my God, just shoot me. Like, how could they do this same show every single night and, and, and it's a real talent great job They're like, doing an amazing job yeah and they just have a way of tricking their brain into this is the first time I'm ever doing this mm-hmm. you know and when I was an actor I, I mean I did sometimes some runs that were eight or nine weeks I couldn't wait for them to be done you know so people that do for years I'm just like wow how do you do that so I don't miss that I, yeah.
1: I saw I can't remember his name I can't believe it interviewed on Stephen Colbert the other night network Ryan it. Cranston Bryan Cranston. Yeah, right. I cannot believe I, I couldn't get that he was talking about that also eight yeah. shows a week mm-hmm. right how do you keep it fresh he's done 150 shows he said and what I think I heard him say is that what he does if he sees somebody in the audience like if he if he connects that connection it sort of incentivizes him to, to just raise his game to to perform at a level that keeps it Fresh and interesting. It reminds
2: me that that person hasn't seen it before, yeah. so yeah. I have to give yeah. it my all. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, actors are an amazing breed, I have to say. I love them. And um, yeah. they're very brave. <laughs> they really are. So, you met your wife I in, did. A, in a theater? I did. She was running True. the box office.
1: But she doesn't uh, have the... She's not... No, director. no, thank God. She actually makes a living <laughs> yeah.
2: to support me in my hobby. Um, she's she's an amazing woman, the smartest person I know, and she's currently the director of exhibitions at the Museum of Natural History. Oh, wow. How oh, great. And that's Isn't the that? job that she was up for that made us move, oh, not wow. move to L.A. All those
1: years ago. So it wasn't,
2: that wasn't the job. Uh, she's worked her way up to being oh, director right. of exhibitions, okay. but... That was to be the... Uh, it was a very good once-in-a-lifetime job mm-hmm. to be the project manager of the fourth floor renovations where all the dinosaurs are. Oh, yeah. wow. So that's what she does. She's got a degree from Cambridge in uh, paleontology. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. And she's... She was a science major, and she loves that museum. That's and great. She's sort of the she's the home. brain. She does... You know, she's like the producer. She produces the, the exhibition. So, so uh, you share that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have similar producers. jobs in ways. I will say immodestly that as our kids were all going through school, you know, we were two of the coolest parents because we did have the coolest jobs. <laughs> we weren't lawyers, we weren't doctors, you know, it was like, oh, your parents have the coolest jobs. So I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> Happy to go
0: to work every day. Yeah, exactly. That's great.
1: Larry, one of the things that I, I I found out about you, because we've been out of touch for the last forever, 40 years. A lifetime. Um, that there was something about the Upper West Side that just—you—you you felt that you needed to—to to be on the Upper West Side.
2: I love it. Yeah, I so, always have.
1: So my my daughter is is beginning to look at places in the city. What is it about the Upper West Side? She is so fixed on fixated on going downtown. Yeah, and well, being she's downtown. Young, so, she's young. Yes. so what was it about the Upper West Side? And you're still there.
2: I don't know. I always loved it up there. I think that it's. Um You know, you have two great parks, no matter where you live. You have Central Park, you have Riverside Park. Mm -hmm. You have two different subway lines, very easily accessible. Uh Uh, I liked that it was a little bit far from the theater district, but two stops away. You know, 10 minutes, I'm in Times Square. Uh Um, So, I loved the stores up there. Um, I loved the people up there. I've always, I mean... I don't know why. I never wanted to live anywhere else in this city, mm-hmm. and I still love it.
1: There's no city. place like New York City. <laughs> no, there's no place in New York
2: City, but um, I mean, I, and I'm a bit of a snob about it. I will I will, I will admit that, you know. About I can't, the city or the I can't west believe side. you're a
1: snob about anything. I, if I
2: have to go to the Upper East Side, I'm just telling you right now. Like, oh, God, those people. You know? Well, that's my brother, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean it certainly has <laughs> <a> <laughs> At least one good guy, guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I just don't get How people love it over there I mm. know um, And we're very very lucky We have got our apartment Years and years ago In this great pre-war building We have full river views Oh man In this big old You know Building And you Beautiful. know I can just go steps I take my dog We have a big old yellow lab And I take my dog Into Riverside Park Every morning And with my thermos of coffee And I, <laughs> I love it
1: That's great. Larry, when we first sat down to talk, we started to get caught up. I mean, it has been, as we said just a few minutes ago, over 40 years. Yeah. But you and I go back to elementary school. Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Remember the teacher? Mrs. Azenbrae. Mrs. Azenbrae. Whoa. So, uh, wow! Mrs. Aizenberg. Amazing and, how you remember your teachers. And, and oh, this yeah. is one of my earliest memories about that classroom. I don't know Uh-oh. if you remember this. I moved in <laughs> November. Was it Mrs. Azenbrae? It was Miss Azenbrae. Yes, it was. Was that third grade? Oh, it was Mrs. McGowan. For me, it was Miss Kelly. McGowan. Mrs. Oh, so Kelly we were not in the same <laughs>
2: kindergarten. So maybe we because, weren't in the same. We were in the same school and kindergarten, okay, but we were not in the not same class. It was Miss McGowan. The third grade was Mrs. Azenbrae. Yes. We might right. have to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I was hey, going to share old. a story about the, <laughs>
1: that kindergarten class, but I'll, I'll save that for okay. another one. Yeah. But we do go back to kindergarten we at, at, That's at school amazing. three. And that is the thing that connects the three of us. We right. uh, all went through the Oceanside school system yeah. together.
2: And you guys stayed, which is yeah. awesome. so stayed. amazing and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And well, Larry and
0: I had French together, and we learned how to speak French fluently. No, we didn't. <laughs> Madame, not at Epstein, all. Madame
2: Epstein, right? Yeah. We did not. We did not oh, do yeah. well in that class, Richie. Yeah. Oh my God. So you you
1: don't have any desire, or you haven't come back to Oceanside in years.
2: I haven't, and it isn't just be not because I don't have a desire. Yeah. I just haven't had a reason to sort
0: of well now you have two you got two oh, guys there you, go. Now you, you have can two. have dinner at our
2: house I mean yeah. uh, is Nathan still there because I would go just to go to Nathan's you know Nathan's <laughs> it, you know. <laughs> it is isn't a different, different side rest it's,
0: yeah but it's down towards uh, the old junior high now and it's just like a little teeny teeny
2: uh, place it's not, not like the old Nathan's yeah. yeah um no my grandparents used to you know live in Long Beach and uh I would visit them there um I mean I can't even remember the last time I went mm-hmm. I think I had to go unfortunately to a funeral and it was in Baldwin so I said oh, I'm going to go drive around the old hood kind of thing and I did but that was easily 20 years ago like, I don't mm-hmm. think I've been back since then and I keep saying i got to drive my kids out there just to yeah, show them where should, I grew a little up history show them the schools but we right. just never have for some reason Well, so when you want
0: to do it you have two people that can facilitate that
2: very easily uh, no, I'd love that Yeah, that would yeah. be a thrill actually yeah. uh, but no I haven't uh, I went like I said to that 10 uh, mm-hmm. year anniversary 10 year reunion but I haven't been to any reunions since then so Well. maybe the next one when's it going to be the next one 45
0: wait what are we Forty. Years of, out of high school are we? Forty three. I can't even. even. Yeah. Forty three no. years out of high school. Can't so even a couple more years. Fathom how that. I know. Where did that go? Right.
2: Jeez. Um,
1: well, Richie and I have enjoyed doing these podcasts for the very reason of being able to reconnect. Oh yeah. And reconnecting with you, Larry, has been such a, a wonderful experience for me, and and I, I really thank you for taking time out of your busy oh schedule God, to this, be here.
0: Was yeah, definitely. This was so was, We've had so many different podcasts with so many different slants, and some are more poignant. Than this was so comfortable and fun. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. so I enjoyed this one the most. Well, it was really sweet of you yeah.
2: guys to even think of me, and I truly appreciate it. And um, I, hope, I hope you continue to do it. <laughs> you know, I think it's a great idea. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, guys.
1: Well, so then, that, then, why, Larry, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. We have found that we do the interviews, the conversations, yeah, and then we say thank you. We turn it off. And all the good stuff comes out afterwards. Not, uh, not, fine. Th- no, what you, that was great. What we just experienced was great. Yeah. But we just have it. And, and if there's something out, right? there, you if you're okay with fun. it, then we're okay with it. Yeah. So it's just, it's gone. you know on.
0: a guy named Peter Fine who did In the Heights? No. All right. I didn't, want, I didn't want to ask that either. There's a lot of us. Yeah, he was... Because he's doing... He is working... My father-in-law um, wrote a book called Bummy Davis versus Murder Incorporated. It's a, it's about the Jewish mafia. Okay. And uh, But this guy, Peter Fine, is trying to make it into some kind of a movie. And he's, you cool. know, the option there and the whole thing. But he, that's what he did on Broadway. He was in the Heights. So, I thought you might run no.
1: Don't know him. That must be uh, gratifying also, if it, your daughter considering getting into directing and, and being out there as an actor in Portland. Uh, uh, yeah, it's wonderful.
2: Be. And uh, the fact that she gave me the gift of going to Ithaca College so I could revisit it for four years. Uh, sure. <laughs> that was, uh, I that bet. was cool. you know, going down to the Commons and just hanging out and going to the Chanticleer and doing drinks, yeah. you know. Uh, Do you remember the Rongovian? The of uh, The Rungo- Rungovi- and, uh, The Rungo- Rungovi- embassy. Oh, oh, my God. I, I am Are sure that kidding? our paths cross at the some point. Rongo... <laughs> is Mecca yeah.
1: yeah oh my god and
2: it was closed for quite a long time right. and then the last time I was up there they had reopened it it's a little yepify-ish <laughs> now right. it's not quite as grungy as it had been right. but oh oh my god yeah, dying bastard dead bastard remember the drinks uh, the um, uh, uh, the Rangu the yeah, it was my favorite favorite bar most of the kids don't know about it, though. They don't go out there. No, they don't. And, and, and you know why? Because when we were in college, we were lucky because the drinking age was 18. That's true. That's true. And now it's 21, so yeah. they can't. The Chariot
1: the Pizza oh, Place. Oh, yeah. Right? Of course. So that, that's what I was and, getting and, to. And uh, uh, uh,
2: Johnny's... Johnny's... Uh, Johnny's Red, Big Red. Johnny's Big Red. And, the, and, the Hot Truck. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The PMP. The
2: PMP. Four Man's like, Pizza. Oh, <laughs> my God. The The PMP. After after a night of drinking, man, right. that PMP was the best. Got through many a night with the PMP. Oh the Souflaki, house. Souf-laki I think house. That's still there yeah. in college town. Yeah.
1: Um, Tommy D. Dominica. Remember Tommy D. Dominica? Yes. Tommy D. graduated He graduated, ever, yeah. he graduated <laughs> from Cornell also.
3: Really? We
1: graduated nineteen eighty from Ithaca College and from Cornell. Tommy D graduated, I think either eighty one or eighty two. Oh wow. He tells a story over and over again. He tells when we got together. We hear the story. Too? Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Well, he had the big business there, D's Nursery. Oh, it's not Remember that? 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 I remember. Just, no, yeah. yeah. So, like, he took it over with his brothers.
1: Cool. So, I can't remember the bar. I should know the name of the bar he's he's, he's talking about in College Town. But he graduated the in '82. Maybe it was the nines But he hadn't been there in years, and he went back about four or five years ago oh, yeah. with his son, and he walked in, and the owner. Oh, you're right? kidding yes. me! Tommy D. He knew him. Yes. He recognized him, and he knew him immediately yes. oh. after all those years. Yeah. Now, Tommy, that hasn't yeah. changed. Yeah. Isn't that? Isn't that, Is that great? But, but I took my son and my daughter and my wife and my sister and her family to see Cornell because our kids were thinking about it, yeah. and I had not been back in a number of years. Yeah. And when I went back, West Campus oh. was completely it, it was different. All the U-Hauls were down. And it was so congested. They, they built new dorms, oh, but it seemed to remove the the,
2: the charm of the place. Expanded so much. right yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I mean, I think it has expanded too. But yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I just, I can't believe I sang that song. Oh,
1: uh,
2: song. <laughs> so, <laughs> did you sing that on or off? On. It, you were uh,
1: okay.
0: Oops. Yeah, yeah, Same one, too. I'm to get for yeah. that. We got famous famous sang one, too, right? Yeah. In the beginning. That's <laughs> true, Oh, yeah. my gosh. What are your sons doing?
2: Yeah, yeah. I didn't get to talk about to them. Um, so they're both going, coming into their senior years uh, of college. Uh, ben is at USC and is an acting major, DFA uh, uh, acting uh, major, and he's really good. Oh, wow. And he's he wants it, boy. He is driven. He needs and an age guy. You, you know somebody. There you go. Oh, Absolutely. Well, he was he just he was a lead in a major student film. They just found out yesterday they're going to be at a film festival. Oh, cool. In LA, and they're submitting. It's a short film, mm-hmm. and they're submitting it to all the different film festivals now. So he's oh, nice. he's very happy. That's and then cool. his twin brother uh, Josh is a fine arts major at University of Vermont, uh, Burlington, uh-huh. UVM, uh, and he loves it up there. We love it up there, you yes, going to stay there, man. I think, have you been to Burlington? Burlington is yes. oh, yeah, yeah. on steroids. Yeah. That's, that's a, what I that's say. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, It's
1: so beautiful. They could not be further apart, though. They couldn't or, be. You Vermont know, they there. are,
2: they're both great, great guys. Um, I always say that, you know, they're basically brothers who happen to be born on the same day. Mm-hmm. cause they don't really look I mean they look similar but they're you know fraternal twins and they couldn't be more different as far as personalities and everything else except mm-hmm. that they're both just really lovely sweet guys. So, oh, that's great. Yeah. Of course they are. Well, <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> yeah. I put on a good act, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well. What else? What else? We're we're going to head out after this. Yeah, you wanna do you want to join little us little dinner after, with us? Are we working? Uh, Oh, I can't. I, we're we're going to see uh, Toy Story with the boys. Yeah. Okay, but otherwise, I'd love to. Yeah, well,
0: we'll do it then yeah.
2: somehow, some way. You, you meeting him for dinner after this? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we.
1: I haven't seen Howie in I probably know, forty years. Borken, Howie, Howie Borkin. He was a year behind us. Yeah, so would, we so. played soccer together. Soccer
2: and track. He,
1: he went to Cornell. Wow.
2: He played soccer he at Cornell. Cornell. I think yeah. I he? I did. want to hear who else you guys are in touch with though from our year. Oh, Tommy D. I'm still in touch with Randy. Her name is Lehman now, but yeah. Randy Lieberman. Right. She's a very she's still... successful interior decorator oh. now. She acted for years yeah, and years and years. That. And then she just finally said, I, you know, she had kids, and she's just mm-hmm. like, i got to find something else for right. you. She went to school uh-huh. and started to work in a very high-end sort of interior decorating type store, and that led her to some clients. And now she's got this incredible thriving wow. business out there. Her. She's married to a wonderful guy who's a first AD in all of the major movies and TV shows. So he's, again, L.A. Mm-hmm. Movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, she has two great kids. And then um, David Weiser. Do you remember yeah. David? And um, yeah, he lives right. down in Fort Lauderdale. Well, I was W, so I was always with David Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so in fact, a pro- uh, lot of times right in front of me. David Weiser, he's a um, he's, uh, real estate. Uh, he sells... Uh, Apartments down in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and mm-hmm. doing very well. Good. And uh, he and I reconnected just a few years ago. So mm-hmm. he seems to be doing well. Otherwise, I mean, on Facebook, I'm friends like with Clay Oliver. Right. And um, he, boy, he's doing really well. He's a plastic, yeah, he's a plastic surgeon. surgeon. Yeah. in Texas, right? And uh, who else? To think. Oh, a few. A few of the Nancy Moses. I remember Nancy. Um, she acted too a huh? lot. I think she did. Yeah, mainly the people I knew the you know.
1: So, what, what did you think when Richie and I first? I was just like,
2: what's, this the, this what's going was on? Is the same <laughs> Richie Woods? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, when you it was on <laughs> Instagram, I think you sent me a note or something on Instagram. It was. Uh, and I was like... Either
0: Instagram or or, or uh, Facebook Messenger, maybe. maybe was, I was just like, is this like a two.
2: Joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to admit that I had to take out the yearbook and look you both <laughs> up just to remind myself of what you look like, you know? And we look it's, exactly the same. You actually uh, look... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Acting, very there, there it is. You look actually. great. You look oh, great. Oh, you really me. do, do is, look great. I would get rid of all this gray and I would look so much younger, because I don't have it here yet, but... This is, this is all silver now, my wife likes it. Oh, there you and go. And mine can't stand mine. Yeah, mine. Oh, was, really? Yeah.
1: I, I just grew this, and, and she, I think it's very professorial and sophisticated. <laughs> I'm going to make sure she hears Yeah, this. yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm like, if I don't have it here, then I, I gotta have some hair somewhere, <laughs> you know? But um, now uh, you guys look familiar, let's put it yeah. that way, you know?
1: Well, it's nice getting caught up, and it feels yeah, yeah, it feels yeah, yeah. very familiar. It, it, it does. It feels yeah. it feels great. So. Yeah. yeah. Well.
2: So don't be strangers. <laughs> we won't. We won't. Yeah. All Maybe right. this will give me the impetus the impetus to uh, go to a go, go to a reunion, or at least go out there. I should go out there. You do. You got. I call heard. Us. I heard there was a, my brother sent me this that our house burned down. Wow. Where was your house? Eight Marshall Street. It was right near. It was two blocks from. School number three, off of Harvey Avenue, uh-huh. uh, Marshall Street. So if this is Harvey and this was Marshall Street, and it, it, lit, it led. It was school. was ago? on Marshall Street, I think. How long ago was that? The fire, just yeah. like two or three years ago. I never told my dad because it, it didn't burn down. Yeah. yeah, it like a whole wing of it, and there was uh-huh. like video of it on the news uh-huh. and stuff. I was like, that's a hard, you know, uh, your hard. And, and, yeah, sure. But your dad is in
1: Florida, you said. Yeah, is that where he is?
2: Yeah, mm. 96. We lost my mom like 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And he's still he's like going strong. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah,
0: you? My my parents passed. My father passed away 3 years ago, and my mother in 2014. So okay. So but that, then my father made it to 90 and my That's
2: mother was amazing. Yeah. So you said your dad's still us? My it? father
1: is still in the same house that I grew up in wow. on Ninth Street. <laughs> he's 91. My mother passed away 11 years ago. Yeah, like mine. Yeah. But wow. he's still in the same house, yeah. And and my wife and I live about five blocks away. Oh. So we're. Let get to see. Them. How
0: is Oceanside as a community these days? It's, it's very nice. It's still it? very. I think so. A lot of
1: traffic, but it's. Is it really? You can't wow.
0: believe. Like you wouldn't believe it, because where's everybody going? But Molina <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. It's like Broadway. Or They're something. going to Costco <laughs> now. Oh, is the there's a Costco. There's a Costco
1: in Oceanside, yeah. if you can believe that. But but the community there, is nice.
0: Around. You know, people are still into the community. Yeah, you know? oh, it, it's a great community. Um, the, the library, uh, I'm a trustee on the library. Okay, good. <laughs> so good. I'll brag, but the library, I'm not, I'm not not by anything that I'm doing, but like I'll brag about the library because it's amazing. Now, the programs that they have, you can't believe it. They, is it they, still they, in the same place, the library? Yeah. yeah. What street um, is that? Davison Avenue. That's but, where my barbershop used to be. yeah. Yeah, uh, still there. It's still there. Doms. It's still there. Doms is still there. Still there. He's not there. Yeah. He's, oh, I
2: love the, that guy. Yeah. And his partner was Sam. He was my barber <laughs> when I was a little boy. And he used to always say, who's the best boy on the block? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember he, had, he would open up and take out this bazooka bubble gun. Yeah. She right. behaved herself a lollipop. <laughs> so that that barber's the still there? That's Remember Schwartz? Sure.
1: Modell's yeah. now. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. That's a
1: loss. Let me just tell you a quick story about that barbershop, though. I took my father there the other day. I can't believe it's still there. 91, and he just has a little on the side, nothing on top, but he wanted to go get a haircut. Right. So he walked in. There were four barbers. Three of them were sitting in their own barber's chair, reading the newspaper, waiting for somebody to come in. And another one was working on a customer. So my father said, I want to wait for him. (laughs) Ha ha! <laughs> so, so dad he goes no I want to wait for him. so we sat down nobody no else way. came in at that point they were still reading the newspapers Oh. No. the guy who was there getting his hair cut wanted such an elaborate you know thing done he he took out a hot towel he wrapped it around oh, his, his head and he sat like for 15 minutes with that hot towel around his head I said dad don't you want to go he goes I want to go to this barber Had we you waited to
2: him before Is that that, why? That's,
1: that's his barber but Larry when I tell you he's got like just a few. Yeah. It was a 45-minute thing. No. And, that's but, hilarious. I mean, so, that's
0: the one benefit I have wow. now when I go to the barbershop. There's always something available. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one that they don't want to use. you yeah, know. Exactly. And I always go <laughs> yeah. there in and out. And I'm yeah. done, you know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and it's easier to dry your hair. <laughs> you don't have to worry don't
2: about that. that. Oh, my God.
0: like to remind you, our power of three listeners, that you can contribute to the overtime episode by submitting questions or comments to the voice message feature at anchor.fm or our email rtwtmc
3: at gmail.com. Thank you.